You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 225 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of, president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, Happy New Year, and how are you doing today? Happy New Year, Michael. Happy New Year to all of our listeners, um, and for, for some of our listeners, uh, wishing them a very Merry Christmas if you're following the uh, Julian calendar, January 7th, um, all those uh, Ukrainians, uh, my background, Orthodox Christians uh, that celebrate Christmas today, we wish you a very Merry Christmas as well. So still celebrating, still celebrating the holidays. Yeah, uh, nice to have our very first episode of 2023, mm-hmm. and there's plenty to get to. Rough couple weeks for these Montreal Canadiens, like, oh my, we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> just briefly. Um, we also have quite a bit to talk about in terms of Habs prospects, some good news actually in that, so you'll want to stick around for it. Uh, segment two, we're going to tackle some of the most pressing questions for the Montreal Canadiens coming into this year, uh, 2023. And of course, in segment three, it's a have your say segment, our Canadians Connection question of the week. Are you becoming content with Habs losses and are you all aboard the tank train? We want to know. And uh, Rick, what's the best way for people to reach out and let us know? Text us. We've set up a special Rocket Sports text line. You probably know the number by now. It's 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. If you have more to say, um, you can send us an email at info at allhabs.net. You can also reach out to us on our social media at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can check out the website, CanadiansConnection.com. So this past week, three games that we have to get to. Uh, please make sure you check out the comprehensive game previews and post-game recaps for every Canadians game at AllHabs.net. Uh, starting back on New Year's Eve, 9-2 to Washington. Wow, just... Uh, <laughs> Terrible way to end the year. Uh, you got to see uh, former Habs goaltender Charlie Lindgren. He's been great with Washington. 
Uh, Ovi gets a hat trick, and of course, uh, former Habs defenseman Eric Gustafson scores because, of course, that's exactly how this game's going to go. Uh, I guess positives, uh, Cole Caulfield gets two. He's, uh, I guess, the only Montreal Canadian that seems to be able to score right now. But wow, uh, just a rough way to end the year. That uh, goal by Gustafson came 32 seconds into uh, this game. Uh, seemed to be a theme. Uh, Francois Gagnon put out uh, just how many goals have been scored. Uh, early goals have been scored or goals have been scored uh, near the beginning of periods, and, and it would astonish you. Um, and, and it's just the, the Canadians weren't ready to play this game. Um, they weren't prepared um, and uh, and it, it it didn't get any better, um, you know, uh, very quickly. Um, and unfortunately, um, you know, Jake Allen had to to be in there for uh, all nine goals. And and you know, a lot of fans were wondering whether we would see a, a Patrick Waugh kind of situate. Well, um, Jake Allen certainly not as volatile as a, as a Patrick Waugh. So. Uh, nothing came of it, and and um, Marty St. Louis was was asked about it after this game and said, "Why did you leave the the uh, Jake Allen in for nine goals?" And he said, uh, "Quote: If it wasn't for the mother's trip, maybe I would have made a different decision. Then you know, by the time it got to eight or nine goals, it was too late. I'll talk about it with Jake. Maybe what I could have done better. I learn." Um, and I was like. What does the mother's trip have to do with leaving him in for nine? I, I didn't, you know, I, I I get he's a bantam coach and all, and and um, would have probably experienced. Listen, I drove, you know, ninety minutes to watch my son play. You better leave him out there. You better play. But this is the National Hockey League, for God's sake! I I, I uh, that was one of the more astonishing quotes of the week. Yeah, I genuinely don't know what any of that means, uh, but <laughs> hey, I hope he learned the lesson, whatever the lesson was. A um, couple days later, uh, January the 3rd, the first game of 2023, you'd think, hey, new year, new me, but nope, uh, it still remains pretty bad. Uh, 6-3 to three for Nashville, Montreal goes 0-4 on the power play, just a bad night overall for Montreal, little to no possession. That's six games in in a row they have lost at this point. Yeah, that was, um, and, and yeah, the end of the road trip. Um, the road trip was was brutal. They won the the first game uh, uh, three to two. Pro- in a game they they probably didn't deserve to win uh, in Arizona. Mike Hoffman won, uh, scored in overtime to to give them the the victory, and and it was you know the 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 start. Uh, of the road trip and and we remember that that Marty St. Louis had promised that uh, getting away on the road was going to allow them to do different things and and pull things together and reset the season and new accountability and all of that um, they won that first game and then it 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 turned kind of ugly after that uh, in seven games they were outscored 34 to 14 on the road trip um, and and everything goaltending suffered um, it was it was brutal. Um, a differential of minus twenty added to their their differential list. We talked about that. How important that was a couple of weeks ago in terms of predicting standings. Uh, let me just see here on the road trip. The seven games, 
Um, Jake Allen had a goals against of 449, a save percentage of 879. Sam Montembeau, a little bit worse at uh, goals against of 498, a save percentage at 868. So it was a really tough road trip for the Montreal Canadiens. January 5th, Montreal did come back home to welcome the New York Rangers, and it was 4-1 to for the Rangers. That's uh, seven games that they've lost in a row. Uh, Mike Raschel, poor Mike Raschel, our uh, Mar- Rocket Sports media colleague, uh, made the trip up to Montreal for that, and a uh, bit of a boring game. In fact, he said that there were fans there watching the World Junior Championship final on their phone instead of watching the live game in front of them. Uh uh, Bell Center kept everyone up to date on the gold medal game for Canada. Seemed to be the only thing to cheer about that night. Uh, Joel, Yoel Armia gets his first goal of the season. Uh, incredible. He made it uh, this long without actually getting a goal. Uh, Habs only 18 shots on net. That's 18 shots on net for the whole game. That's absolutely insane. You can tell just from that how bad they were. Uh, the Rangers scored three goals in the second period, so... I don't know. Is it time to be team tank? Are these losses starting to get concerning? I mean, just the way they're losing, it's it's not good. It's not pretty. They're not really even close. So they came home. They had time to practice. And, and Marty St. Louis, it was a tough, tough practice um, at Broussard when they, when they returned. Um, and uh, Marty employed a, a new system. It was kind of, a, you know, all defense all the time uh, for the first period anyways because he was tired of this team giving up early goals. Uh, so to do that, the Montreal Canadiens took almost 17 minutes in period one to get their first shot on goal. Um, yeah, so I guess you have to sacrifice. Uh, but it was, and and it was a scoreless first period, and I, I think uh, the Canadiens took that as a bit of a victory. Uh, but the the um, the Rangers scored three uh, in the second, and uh, it was over from there. And unfortunately, it left a, a big um, smile on the face of Chris Kreider, which of course uh, <laughs> villain number like one, villain number one in in Montreal. So the Canadians' record right now fifteen twenty one and three. That's thirty three points, twenty seventh in the AHL, and they remain at the bottom of the Atlantic Division. Please make sure you check out Habs Notepad and Habs Features as posts appear regularly at allhabs.net. Moving along to our injury news, uh, actually quite a bit to get to here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, David, Sab- David Savard returned to the lineup against Nashville. He missed 13 games with an injury. Yeah, early December um, was out since then. Missed, obviously, um, and uh, it was good to see him back in the lineup. Mike Matheson and Sean Monahan skated Friday morning. Uh, they're progressing well, but uh, they'll be out for at least two more weeks with uh, lower body injuries. Uh, it would be nice to get uh, Monahan back in the lineup. This team desperate, desperately needs someone other than Cole Caulfield that can score. And uh, to play that center position, um, you know, the, Jake Evans at moving him up in the lineup didn't work. Jonathan Duran, of course, has done little to nothing this season. Uh, he hasn't worked at the center position. They are missing uh, Sean Monahan. Brendan Gallagher has a lower body injury. He's, sli- he's sidelined uh, for a minimum of two weeks. So that's another forward that can score that they're going to be missing. So that that really hurts. And it was, 
it, it, it was a bit of a theme that, that Brandon Gallagher said he needed a full summer uh, to recuperate and get into the season healthy. He, you know, when the season started, he, he declared that uh, this was the season of Gallagher, that, that uh, being healthy, and, and unfortunately, uh, it's gone a bit sideways and, uh, yeah, uh, dealing with injuries again. But uh, I think the most impactful one here, uh, Caden Gooley has a lower body injury. He's sidelined for a minimum of eight weeks. That really hurts. I feel like Caden Gooley was their best defenseman all season so far. Certainly their most consistent, despite this is his rookie season. Uh, absolutely inc- crazy how much uh, he's been able to do. He's he's a great uh, rookie defenseman. I think a lot of his teammates recognize that quite a bit. So uh, they're certainly going to hurt without him on the back end. He's played 36 games in the NHL, 36 games, and he's the Canadians' anchor. the The way that um, folks were talking about him uh, in the media availability on Friday, um, it's incredible how quickly he has become a key piece of this team. And yes, I, I, you know, uh, Joel Edmondson agrees with you. He uh, he said that uh, Gooley has been the Canadians. Uh, um, most consistent defenseman. Josh Anderson said the same thing. Um, the most consistent defenseman. Um, David Savard um, said, you know how uh, um, how much uh, he meant to the team, playing big minutes, playing important roles. Um, David Savard's quote is, um, "He's a big part of our defense. It hurts us, and it's a shame for him too because he was progressing. He was confident." And he gave us big minutes of play. Um, Joel Edmondson, quote, in my opinion, he was playing like a guy who deserved a Calder Trophy nomination. This is a very painful loss. Um, um, let me get uh, Josh Anderson. Um, it's not easy to make your mark when you're a young defenseman. And he's done an exceptional job for us this season. Um, he's always calm and makes make good and makes good plays. He's been our most consistent defenseman for us. It's a heavy loss. Um, These are incredible quotes um, uh, by veterans who are describing uh, a a player who is very, very early in their career. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, difficult um, for the Canadians without him. Um, but uh, we hope that he he takes the time he needs to to make a full recovery. Um, he said it's uh, an injury to his left knee, and um, yeah, eight weeks minimum eight weeks is is uh, is a long time to be out. Well, with uh, Caden Gooley out of the lineup, I expect Jake Allen's going to be a very busy guy in net, <laughs> facing a lot of shots. In fact, uh, for the month of December, Jake Allen was presented the Molson Cup. Uh, he uh, won the first star two times, uh, both games against Calgary, the second uh, star uh, once against Seattle in early December, and then uh, most recently on the 21st, uh, he was named the third star, so he finished just ahead of uh, teammate Cole Caulfield. Uh, at some point, Caulfield's going to have to win the Molson Cup outright without uh, being tied with Suzuki, no? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Um, I feel bad for Jake because uh, he's a good guy and uh, he's a team first guy uh, and he always says the right thing. Um, and, um, and you know, unfortunately, he, uh, that just goes to show 
how bad the Montreal Canadiens were in the month of December. Um, and and I, I told you about Jake's numbers, his goals uh, against, and his save percentage in the month of, Defe- of December. It was better than Montembeau, and his his star nominations were better than anybody else on the team. And and that's not a that shouldn't be a, a, a negative reflection on Jake. It's it's more. Uh, just how bad the the month of de- December was for the Montreal Canadiens. Some stats: uh, their record in December was four nine and two. Uh, that that's uh, ten points is twenty uh, eighth uh, in the National Hockey League. Two point two seven goals per game. That's ranked thirtieth in the month of December. Four point oh seven goals against uh, average thirtieth. Um, their power play in the month of December was 30th. Their PK was 31st. Their shots per game, 31st. Their shots against, 31st. They were terrible in the month of December. Um, but Jake Allen was among the best of them. So uh, the NHL um, announced that Nick Suzuki will represent the Montreal Canadiens at the 2023 All-Star Game. It's going to happen February the 4th in Sunrise, Florida. Uh, if we go back to the home game on uh, January the 5th uh, against the New York Rangers, this was another thing that uh, they decided to announce. They got all the fans uh, cheering and excited. Um, the only thing other than the World Juniors that the fans in the house were excited to see. Um, just an awful game that was. But uh, this is two seasons in a row that uh, Nick Suzuki is the choice. Um, personally, I'd like to see the NHL change it up from time to time. I I, I hate to see, well, I don't hate it, but uh, it'd be nice to see some new faces get to the All-Star game every now and then, no? Um, I, I, I don't mind seeing Connor McDavid there every season. Oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's the exception. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, I think that, that uh, Canadians fans are pretty excited and have kind of mounted a... Uh, an online campaign um, to get Cole Caulfield at the the All-Star game as well. Uh, so there could be two representatives uh, this year. We'll, we'll see as we get closer to February 4th. Yeah, so get online and vote. Uh, I think you can vote via Twitter as well. So make sure you do that and get uh, our uh, second uh, of the two best friends out to the All-Star game. Uh, so now I think it's a good time uh, to get to our Habs Prospect Report. Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Starting things off, we'll take a look at our prospect update, a quick look at the CHL scoring race, and uh, we will also look at the NCAA. Uh, So starting things off here at uh, the CHL scoring race, Jared Davidson, this is a guy that has had an absolutely incredible past few weeks. He currently leads the way for Habs prospects in that league. In 30 games, he has 48 points. Uh, That's more than any other Montreal Canadian in the CHL. Um, Pretty crazy that he's been able to do that. Uh, Late round pick this past year. Uh, Great to see him in that position. Uh, Also, I'll mention uh, Cedric Gindon. He's had a good couple weeks as well, playing for the Owen Sound Attack. Currently in 35 games, he has 41 points, uh, but still uh, leading the way in points per game. It is Joshua Waugh, who we got to see at the World Juniors. Uh, He is currently sitting at a 1.65 points per game. In 26 games, he has 43 points. Yeah, Owen back in there um, with, uh, you know, just 30 games and and 40 points. 
Um, uh, Gindon, the most games played at, at 35. Um, Riley Kidney in second place um, has had some injury issues, but but 45 points. So um, it's pretty close. But, um, you know, many of those are, are familiar names. You hear them. You see them on Twitter. Uh, uh, talked about on Twitter. Let's talk about Jared Davidson. Let's let's. We've been talking yeah. about him for the last few weeks here, uh, but let's let's spread that because he's having an incredible season uh, and should get more uh, attention. I think. Yeah, and uh, Rick, I'll pass it off to you for this one. I know you're a big NCAA guy, and you have quite a bit to talk about for Habs prospects in the NCAA. Well, yeah, and and I think uh, there's a you know there are prospects there that we don't talk about quite enough uh, in the NCAA uh, Habs prospects, and we've seen we've seen uh, what a um, an excellent um, uh, training ground it has been for uh, all prospects um, in in the NCAA. I mean, we could go through and talk about points as well uh, for the prospects. Um, but because they play far fewer games, um, uh, I, I, there's there's a, a, a advanced stat that I really like that's called win shares, and, and I'm not going to get into um, the whole calculation of it. Anything, j- everything, j- just know that it's actually it came from baseball, um, where the calculation is the number of wins created, air quotes here, created by an individual player and there's a calculation for that and um, what an individual player contributes to uh, his team and it it comes up with a number. Um, So uh, when you look at uh, win shares in the uh, NCAA, top of the list, Adam Fantilli, University of Michigan, having an exceptional season, his win share score is 4.2. Um, and these are, are um, over over 50 games. Uh, in the top 10, you have two Montreal Canadian prospects in the NCAA. Uh, Sean Farrell um, with Harvard, his um, uh, win share score is 3.8, just behind uh, Adam Fantilli. Uh, and Lane Hudson, um, who we saw at the World Juniors, uh, his win share score is 3.7. So I think that's... Um, now, when you when you look at other uh, Canadians' prospects, that number drops considerably. Uh, Rhett Pitlick is the, is is next at the University of Minnesota. His win share score one point four. Uh, there's uh, followed by Jaden Struble and Luke Tuck, Jack Gorniak, Blake Biondi, Jack Smith, Arvid Hendrickson, and, and so on. But um, on, in particular, just wanted to point out that Sean Farrell and Lane Hudson, two of the best players in the NCAA this season. Yeah, we'll get to a little bit more on uh, late Hud- Lane Hudson when we talk about the World Juniors, but uh, a little bit of love here for Sean Farrell. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, they play a lot fewer games in the NCAA. In 14 games, he's managed to put up 22 points. So I'd say, you know, not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, Got to give him some credit. Uh, certainly a prospect that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing at some point here in uh, Montreal. And many compare him to uh, on track to be, you know, another Cole Caulfield if he can add smaller player sniper, um, if he can uh, get to that level of success in the NHL. I think Canadians fans will be very happy. 
for sure. Uh, taking a look at the Laval rocket from this past week, we had quite a few Rocket Sports Media co-workers uh, at uh, the game on the 4th, uh, Laval against Manitoba at home. It was a 6-3 win for uh, Laval. Uh, got to see Mike Raschel there. Uh, also got to say hi to Chris G when I was walking in. He's always there up in the press box, but uh, don't always get to say hi to him, so that was pretty nice. Uh, Laval, they managed to score 15 seconds into the game, and that really set the tone. Uh, Mon- uh, sorry, Manitoba goaltender uh, Salmonin, <laughs> Salmonin, sorry, uh, he had a terrible game for Manitoba. Um, did not look like he could stop anything. And uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard, he scored a hat trick. That was pretty exciting to be in the building for that. At first, it looked like fans were a little bit hesitant to throw their hats, but eventually it got there, and uh, there were quite a few hats out on the ice. Um, Overall, just a dominant performance by uh, the Rocket. Great game to be at, and be honest, uh, if if you have not had a chance to check out an AHL game, especially in Laval, I can't recommend it enough uh, for the price and what the the experience is. It's, It's really awesome. I uh, got hooked up with another pretty good deal on a ticket IQ for some lower bowl tickets, uh, $10 a piece. Nice view behind uh, the Manitoba net, uh, which uh, the game spent most of the time there anyway. So that was good to see. And uh, honestly, uh, looking forward to maybe getting back to another uh, Laval Rocket game at some point. Uh, sorry, Laval did play a second game against Manitoba that happened a couple days later on the 6th, and it was an overtime loss, uh, 5-4 to four for Manitoba. Laval scores three in the third period to tie things up, but uh, they came up short in overtime. This was an insane game, uh, an absolutely crazy game, um, and... And 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 dominated by Manitoba uh, for fifty four minutes of the game. Um, it was, um, you know, Laval fans were pretty uncomfortable, uh, restless. Um, it it was it was tough, and and um, so there was uh, the the Manitoba Moose had a three nothing lead going into the third period. Um, teams exchanged. Uh, um, uh, goals, uh, so they had a four-one lead. That's Manitoba with six minutes left. Jeff Wool decides, all right, let's pull the goaltender at the five forty-five mark, something like that, and and you kind of raise your eyebrow. An empty net with uh, with almost six minutes left, um, but Manitoba or uh, Laval, uh, and and uh, they they. To their credit, uh, scored three goals with an empty net in the final six minutes. It's the final five minutes, let's say, uh, to tie the score to send it to overtime. Unbelievable. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, the the Cinderella comeback uh, wasn't to be, and uh, and it was uh, Jansen Harkins who who scored in overtime for uh, Manitoba, but. Laval still earned a point. Um, just uh, the nutty, nutty game that the, the kind of game that you can get in the AHL. Yeah, the Rocket have been on, uh, I guess, a bit of a decent stretch the last little while. Right now, the record has improved to 13, 15, 4, and 1. That's uh, 24th in the AHL. It wasn't too long ago we were talking about them being in 30th, so I, I have to give them credit. They've uh, managed to get their scoring going and. Uh, you know what, in the AHL, like you said, there's going to be some nutty games, so I'll, I guess I'll take the off game, uh, the loss uh, in overtime. Uh, to, 
Yeah, always nice to get a loser, loser's point, at least, in a game <laughs> that you haven't played too well, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, Nicholas Baudin returned to Laval from the Spangler Cup. Uh, of course, he came up short in the Spangler Cup uh, with Canada. He didn't win anything, didn't bring any uh, medal or anything back to Laval with them, but uh, nice to get the big defenseman back on the line. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it was a, t- a tough start. We talked about the Spangler, uh, but uh, good to good to have him back. Uh, Laval Rockets signed uh, defenseman Eric Williams to a professional tryout contract. He was with the the Norfolk Admirals of the ECHL not too long ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Eric Williams? Um, yeah, this is a player who um, might have had a promising um, NCAA career, uh, played with uh, Northeastern, uh, won a couple of Hockey East championships there, and uh, then has, has, has spent his his. A hockey hockey career going from one ECHL team to another. He said, um, short little call ups uh, or loans to AHL teams, um, and it, it's just interesting to me that Lavelle chose to not go to Trois Rivieres to bring up um, one of their own defensemen. They've uh, they've gone to to Norfolk to um, get a loan from them uh, for this defenseman and signed him to a PTO. Joe Verbedek was assigned back to the Trois-Rivières Lions. Uh, he had a brief stint, stint in the AHL, replacing Caden Primo when he was away on injury. He went to 2-0-0 in the AHL, so not bad. I'd like to see uh, Joe get some more opportunities at the, the AHL level this year. He played really well in, in tough circumstances and, and coming up, and, and uh, he got tossed into a game late um, and, and then had his, his own starts. Uh, I thought he played pretty well, and, and you know, Truth be told, I would have rather seen um, uh, um, Verbetic stay, uh, a Verbetic Caden uh, Primo tandem uh, with Kevin Poulin going to Trois Rivières, but um, uh, uh, the the decision was made, and and as we talked about before the show, Kevin Poulin a bit of a fan favorite in in uh, Laval, so uh, they hung on to him. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Caden Primo, uh, he returned to the net uh, for Laval on Friday night, uh, the loss against Manitoba. Uh, It was all right, a bit of a gutsy performance from him. Uh, Hopefully he can stay healthy, uh, get back into the rhythm of things. Montreal's invested quite a bit into this uh, young goalie prospect, so you just hope that uh, he can get into form. He had been out since he he got an injury on the 25th of November. And even even that night, he wasn't even in the lineup that night. He was on the bench, suffered the injury on the bench. We talked about it before. Took a stick, needed stitches. um, And then kind of nobody really talked about why he was out. Maybe concussion symptoms there. Um, Returned to the net. um, Yeah, kind of an up and down performance. He made uh, a puck handling mistake that, that led to a goal. Uh, there was a, a moment where where fans held the their breath. He was he was uh, not very aggressively, uh, but but he was knocked into the back of the net. Um, but uh, uh, Glenn Kinney came out and and the trainer and and uh, spoke with him, and he was fine. Uh, he remained in the game and and was uh, good to go. Didn't didn't seem to um, you know. He wasn't. He wasn't terribly bad. He wasn't terribly good, um, and uh, maybe a little bit of rust there. And and we'll see. Uh, likely more of him coming up this week. 
Yeah, the Rocket are going to hit the road for a couple day, couple games here. On the 8th, they're going to go to Toronto. Uh, the 11th, they're going to be in Rochester. And the 13th, they're going to be in Syracuse. So all, uh, I think, winnable games against some rivals here. Uh, Laval's had uh, good success against Syracuse. Hopefully they can keep that up. And uh, I always like to see Laval beat Toronto and Rochester. Not a big fan of Toronto or, <laughs> or Rochester from a fan standpoint. Uh, always a bit of a bloodbath against those teams. So should be some fun games to watch anyway. Absolutely. So now the long-awaited uh, discussion here. We're going to talk uh, World Juniors, the 2023 World Junior Championship. And getting gold, it is Team Canada. Absolutely, uh, well, I'd say for the most part, kind of a boring game up until uh, Czechia scored two goals in the third to tie things up. Uh, Canada wins in just absolutely dramatic fashion. Uh, Shane Wright looked great. Uh, Dart had a great tournament overall. In overtime, uh, it was Joshua Wass that set up uh, Dylan Gunther for the game-winning goal, so nice to see that. Owen Beck, who uh, was uh, called up and added to Team Canada pretty late, uh, he uh, didn't get a ton of minutes, but uh, 1.3 games that he played, that not too bad, can't complain there. Getting silver, it is Czechia, the big year for that team. Uh, they, of course, beat uh, Canada in their first game, 5-2. to two. That sent uh, Canada as a country into a bit of a panic about what might happen, but uh, nice to see them get a medal. And, of course, the bronze game, probably uh, the most entertaining game of the tournament, U.S. versus Sweden. It was an 8-7 to seven win in overtime for the USA. Uh, Lane Hudson in that game representing the USA, he looked pretty great. He had four points in seven games in that tournament. Back and forth scoring just nonstop. One team scores, the other one scores a goal. I had this on while I was working, and man, I, just absolutely quite the distraction of a game to watch. Uh, I really like hockey like this. Speaking of nutty games, it, it was, it it was, and and uh, yeah, that that was that was quite a game to watch, and and especially again, a dramatic fashion. Um, and and you know what a tournament. Uh, the fan support uh, from Halifax and Moncton. Uh, they were filling the buildings. Um, and and filling the buildings for games that didn't include Canada, um, which uh, you know full credit uh, to them. And and I know they were, you know they were kind of the last minute replacement. The, the this uh, tournament was supposed to be held uh, in Russia. So um, really well done, really well done um, in uh, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. There, um, it was. Uh, now, when the tournament began, and and maybe it's part of of the, this is the World Juniors is a big deal for TSN, and and they like to hype it a lot, and they talked about Team Canada as the best Canadian team, possibly the best Canadian team ever. I, you know, they they certainly weren't that. They um, say that a lot. <laughs> yeah, they do. They <laughs> seem to, don't they? Um, team Canada had some some issues. Certainly had some issues on defense. Had had lots of firepower up front. Uh, there were some questions in goal going into uh, the tournament. I think uh, those were answered um, pretty quickly. Um, but it made for a, a very good tournament. Good to see Czechia back as, uh, you know, one of one of uh, hockey's premier uh, countries in in uh, producing hockey players. And, and uh, I, I, I just thought it was um, a, a really good uh, tournament. Um, and and as you mentioned, for uh, Montreal Canadiens fans, they have to be thrilled uh, to have so many prospects there. Joshua Waugh, um, eleven points in in seven games, 
but it's not even about the points. I mean, he was he was uh, he became the perfect complement to that top line uh, with Bedard and Stankoven. But um, it was, you know, we know Joshua Waugh can score, um, and but what the Canadians have asked of him is that he work on his uh, his game without the puck. They works on his defensive game. Uh, that he becomes more engaged, more competitive, um, and he's been quite open in sharing that. And and we saw uh, Jonathan Waugh, well, it was, it was only a few months ago um, at, at the previous World Junior Championships, um, and in that one, um, he had uh, eight points in seven games. So, uh, you know, he only had three more points this, uh, this time around. Um, but I thought he was a completely different player. Um, Much more impactful this tournament for sure. He was he was like a passenger. Um, he got points kind of by the way. I got a point and, and and not not terribly involved last time around. This time, much more engaged. And I was much more impressed by his work um, forechecking, uh, seeing him out there on the penalty kill. And there was one. A dominant shift that he had on the penalty kill, where he was just very disruptive um, and working hard and and getting uh, offensive chances on the penalty kill. That's what what impressed me. Does he still have things to work on? Absolutely. Skating is, mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's not anywhere near uh, NHL level skating yet, um, but he's a absolutely a prospect. Um, to be excited about and, and and let's talk about some of the other ones, but but uh, certainly chime in on Joshua Waugh there. Yeah, yeah, big respect for Joshua Waugh in this tournament. Uh, I, I wasn't so sure how it was going to go for him, but uh, you mentioned uh, he got the chance to play next to Bedard. Great. Uh, he was involved in uh, the tournament winning goal as well, setting up Dylan Gunther in overtime. Loved what I got to see from him. Owen Beck, uh, I guess uh, he he was maybe a victim of uh, Canada having a ton of talent up top. Uh, he didn't get too many minutes, but uh, he won some key faceoffs. Uh, seemed like a solid bottom six role player for them um, in that gold medal game, and especially in the third period. Uh, Canada shortened their bench quite a bit, and uh, unfortunately, Owen Beck was impacted by that, so we didn't get to see as much of him as I would have liked to, but I think still great experience for him. Uh, Didn't make uh, the initial cut uh, for Team Canada, but getting the call and getting into three games, you know, good for him. I I liked what I saw. And he's he's very young. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, he's going to be there next year. Uh, and I think he convinced uh, folks of that, that, that he will be uh, part of Team Canada next year. Uh, coming in as the 13th forward is tough. You know, uh, coming in um, only for the medal round is tough. Uh, you know, the, the, everything's kind of set. Um, he played about two minutes against the Slovaks. He played nine minutes against the Americans. He played three minutes in the final. Um, however, he, he made the most of, of every time on, on the ice. As you said, good on faceoffs. Um, he got a, the, the assist he got was on a, an important goal for, for Canada in the semifinal. Um, I thought, uh, you know, he, for the limited time that he had, uh, arriving, um, late as he did, he, he showed great maturity, to accept that role um, and to accept the role that that he was given uh, as the thirteenth forward. Um, as we move through through the prospects, Philippe Machar, um, 
six points in five games for us for a, uh, a Slovakia team that was a big surprise in in uh, in this tournament. Um, you know, I, I I think he was um, he was better than expected. He um, you know one of the one of the better players uh, for Slovakia. Um, was he, you know, some people are saying, well, that's not really a first round pick performance. Well, um, yeah, he was, a, a late pick, uh, for the Canadians and, and, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was impressed when I saw him. Yeah. I liked what I saw from Mishar as well. Uh, Slovakia, I think in, in the end, they ended up being a little bit disappointed, only getting a sixth place in the tournament, but, uh, good Slovakia team nonetheless, with also, uh, Simon Nemitz, uh, being part of that team as well. Uh, another uh, Montreal Canadian prospect that did medal, Lane Hudson. I know a lot of people were expecting him to contribute a little bit more offensively. He got uh, four points in seven games, but I always felt like he had an impact. He, you can tell that he's got some skill for sure. Watching him handle the puck and uh, make plays, certainly the type of guy that you want to quarterback a first power play unit forward. Um you know, again, another guy who's relatively young, maybe a little bit small, but uh, that's that's certainly a guy that uh, I want to keep an eye on going forward. I think that he has a ton of skill and uh, I guess a little bit as advertised. Uh, there's a lot of talk of him potentially having, uh, I guess, that first uh, puck moving D potential on a team. So he played the the first pairing um, for for uh, the Americans uh, with Luke Hughes. When you're beside Luke Hughes, it's it's hard to stand out, I think. Yeah. Um, still, uh, four points in seven games, uh, is, is very good. And, and we should say, um, that he didn't get power play time, um, uh, for the Americans. So, um, I think he, he was, he was very good for a second round pick, um, got, uh, obtained for, uh, Brett Kulak. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty good. I think. Yeah, Adam Engstrom uh, for Team Sweden. Uh, I know he didn't medal. He he was in the bronze medal game, of course. Uh, I thought he looked pretty decent as well. Only got uh, two points in the tournament, but uh, as a defenseman, uh, pretty happy with what I saw from him. Uh, of course, uh, also for Team Finland, uh, there was uh, Oliver Kapanen. He got a uh, player of the game uh, for a game against Slovakia, so he had a pretty decent tournament uh, as well, although he didn't medal. And, uh, of course, the only guy we haven't talked about yet, uh, Vincenzo Rohr, maybe uh, the victim of being on a, one of the lesser teams in Team Austria. But uh, exciting experience for him. Uh, he got to be the team captain for Austria. Yeah, of the ones you mentioned, Kapanen, I thought, was maybe uh, the most inconsistent. Um, mm-hmm. Finland, uh, uh, Finland couldn't score. Um, but still, uh, Kapanen got three points in, in five games. Um, Adam Ingstrom was on the top pairing uh, for Sweden. Uh, he didn't get any power play time either, but but uh, still managed uh, three points um, in the seven games. Uh, Vincent Rohr, uh, that's that's a bad team. That's that's yeah. that's a really weak team. Tough um, situation. Yeah, uh, but but uh, and he was remember he was out with illness uh, for their first game, uh, but still managed three points in five games. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought, um, I mean, Austria scored six goals in, in the entire tournament. So, uh, I thought, uh, I thought he did pretty well for where, where he was. Yeah. So I think overall good showing for the Habs prospects at uh, the world juniors this year, looking forward to keeping an eye on them, uh, throughout this season. And, uh, of course here on Canadians connection, when we do our, uh, 
prospect report. Uh, we'll make sure to keep you up to date on all of these guys. But uh, we have a little bit more to talk about in terms of uh, the CHL. There have been some roster updates. Uh, mentioning this one because uh, Shane Wright is uh, certainly quite the topic of discussion here in Montreal. Uh, the Seattle Kraken assigned uh, Shane Wright to the Kingston Frontenacs of the Ontario Hockey League. So uh, they decided he needed some more time to develop. And it's likely that uh, Kingston's going to explore uh, trade options for Shane Wright. Shane Wright was great during this tournament. He really was. Um, everyone was overshadowed by Connor Bedard, but um, Shane Wright had a very solid tournament. Happy, happy for him. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I liked the way Seattle handled this. Um, they said uh, in their tweet, "Go to Kingston and win another championship, uh, win another medal." I think is is the way they described that. Um, and so, um, he'll go to Kingston, uh, but don't expect him to stay there long. Uh, he's likely to be traded, uh, by one of the, uh, front running teams, uh, whether it be Barry or Peterborough, um, you know, London's always seems to be involved. Um, so, uh, expect one of those spectacular junior hockey trades with Shane Wright, uh, moving on from, from Kingston and Kingston getting a boatload of, of prospects. Yeah. There was an official trade made though. Uh, Acadie Bathurst Titan traded forward Riley Kidney to the Gatineau Olympique. Uh, Kidney, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, great season so far. Uh, one game with Gatineau so far, zero points, but uh, I think that might actually be a pretty good fit for him and Gatineau. No. I think so. I, I do. Um, and uh, again, there's there's a, a playoff bound team loading up with a, 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 a player who's having a very good season in Riley Kidney. Uh, the Teton, um, they get a first round pick. They get a, a player by the name of Donovan Arsenault and they get Bobby Orr. Um, yes. Yeah, so hmm. uh, mark it down. <laughs> Riley Kidney was uh, traded for a package that included Robert Orr. Yep, I'll, I'll take that for what that's worth. <laughs> uh, Mississauga Steelheads uh, traded their forward uh, Owen Beck to the Peterborough Peets. Uh, Beck, of course, was away with Team Canada, the World Juniors, so he's going to report to the Peets when to the Peets when he gets back. Yeah, and and again, uh, Peets, uh, you know, talked about in terms of of of. Maybe they'd get Shane Wright. Well, they went out and got uh, Owen Beck uh, and a, a package deal that included a, a couple of players and picks. Yeah, love those uh, OHL or just like CHL trades in general. Always a ton of picks involved, always picks way off in the future too. I know you like taking a look at that uh, as well, don't you? <laughs> I, I love these these trades because it includes uh, so many players. Uh, there was a trade this morning. Um, that uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds of the WHL, they acquired Colton Dock. Who's Colton Dock? Well, it's Kirby's brother, who we saw at the World Juniors playing for Canada. He's the one that got injured and the reason that Owen Beck got a chance in the tournament. Um, Colton Dock was playing for the Kelowna Rockets. He now goes to Seattle in exchange for Ty Hurley, Ethan Middlestead, and a first-round pick in the 2024 draft, and two conditional picks. So these trades are <laughs> lots of fun to follow. Yeah, so be sure to read all the content at AHL.Report. Also listen to and subscribe to The Press Zone. That comes out every Tuesday, and we'll keep you up to date on everything Habs Prospects, AHL, and Laval Rocket. Uh, 
So now it's time to get to our quote of the week. This one comes from a very popular figure here in Montreal. Everyone loves him, uh, P.K. Subban, so you know the quote's going to be great. He's talking about why he was traded by the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, I can't wait for everyone to hear this. This is going to cause quite the controversy, no? I started my career, I got drafted to probably the most storied franchise in NHL history and also one in sports. You know, the Boston Bruins, Montreal Canadiens have the most playoff history amongst professional sports teams, you know, other than I believe the Yankees and maybe a couple other teams, um, over a hundred year history. So, you know, when you think of the, fr the front office at the Montreal Canadiens, it's almost like at the time was still in like the 1970s, you know what I mean? And rightfully so, very, very successful, won a lot of championships, 24 cups, you know, a lot of championships. So they believe in the way that they do things. Um, but, you know, the, the tradition with Montreal is like any star players that had big names or got bigger than the team, they traded them, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them after a certain period of time. So, you know, what happened to me wasn't any different than the history. Um, but definitely when I started, my career started out, I developed my own brand and I started doing things. I had my own logo. I was wearing my own stuff. And it was a big issue because, you know, we're paying you this to wear to be a part of the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about how these brands can coexist. And I think that was the biggest issue, you know, when I started was that I, I was developing my own fan base and my own audience. I'm just gonna have to breathe for a minute. <laughs> uh, we almost, there. there's so much to unpack there. We almost have to play that twice, but... Um... Um, my goodness, uh, PK Subban. Um, there, there's, you know, there's a real division amongst uh, Montreal Canadiens fans. And when you bring up that uh, the the Mark Bergevin trade, uh, PK Subban uh, for Shea Weber, um, and I, I guess the debate has favor uh, has has faded because um, it, it's it's proven out to be you know, that was the right trade. That was the best trade. That was the best trade on the Mark Bergevin. Uh, um, era and and it, no question the Canadians won that trade hands down and Shea Weber was exactly what the Canadians needed. Um, having said that, uh, PK Subban arrived with you know he was he was uh, creative he was flamboyant he was he was uh, a big personality uh, and he was and Montreal was the right place for him um, and fans embraced him immediately immediately. Um, the, the, the Canadians fans became P.K. Subban fans um, as well, but within the context of being a Montreal Canadian. Um, and it's clear from the comments here that P.K. Subban never, never got that memo. Um, he, he really saw himself, uh, if not bigger than the team, uh, as big as the team, as big as the Montreal Canadiens. Let our co let our brands coexist. Um, so that would mean you know bigger than all the other, the rest of his teammates. And I, I, th I think it's 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 sad. It's really sad because again, there's so many of our listeners who who love PK Subban and would have loved PK Subban to stay, um, and. He certainly is passionate about what he believes and 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 his philosophy. Um, but uh, when have you ever heard another player of the Montreal Canadiens speak the way he's speaking? Um, 
it's 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 really it's really unfortunate. And in this quote, um, he starts saying like the Canadians, you know, I was I was the new guy. I was the modern guy. I had new ideas, and and the Canadians' management were stuck in the 1970s, running their organization like it was the 1970s, which is a pretty um, that's quite a dagger uh, to deliver. Mm. Uh, and he tries to cover it up and say, you know, well, okay, they, they had a way of doing things, not really modern, not really, you know, and, and um, interpreting uh, this, uh, but it worked for them. They had 24 cups, so um, that was fine, I guess. But I tried to, to talk to them about this. And when I came to the, when I started my career, I had my own brand. I had my own merchandise. I had, and and hey, let's let's have these two giant brands coexist. Um, I, it, you know, regardless of what the the Montreal Canadiens management felt uh, about this, and I I don't expect that that it went over too well. All I think of is what that dressing room felt like. Um, uh, and 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 we know that 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 PK well it wasn't just the Montreal Canadiens dressing room he he was not you know because of his 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 self-centered nature and 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 confidence and arrogance um and and the fact that he always put uh, himself ahead of the team he rubbed his teammates the wrong way we know that um and and you can understand you can understand why um now, team sports, particularly hockey, and we've heard it a thousand times before, is based on uh, the crest on the front is more important than the name on the back. Um, it's not that way in in individual sports. It's not that way in some team sports. Basketball is a good example, um, you know. But in hockey, that's the way it goes. No player is bigger than the team, uh, and so for for PK to talk about. His brand was was um, equal to the Montreal Canadiens, and that that he was um, developing his his own fan base, his own audience. Speaking at as if they were separate from from the Canadians, you can understand how. Wow, how, how that would be, <laughs> you know, that's not what you want. That's that is certainly not what you want. Um, uh, as a Montreal Canadiens, and he talked about the storied history. And, he, and, you know, I guess that's the other thing that that really bothered me in this is he said as soon as a player got um, got any levels of success uh, or or started to be recognized or started to be loved in Montreal, they traded them away. Like John Bellabo? Like Guy Lafleur? Like Rocket Richard or or Henri Richard or or Yvonne Cornway or uh, I'll pick a, a a contemporary of of PK Andre Markov. No, um, this this is I I mean he's he's feeding himself a, a narrative that um, maybe fits with you know supports his philosophy, but is is just is false. It, it's 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 false. Um, and it's sad. It's, it, to me, I, I find this, this sad and particularly that he was say, he would say, um, such things without any kind of, 
you know, uh, self-reflection, he would say these things before the team is going to throw him a giant tribute this week. Why would you do that? I, I'm, I'm astonished. I, 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 was, I was stunned when I heard this for the first time. Yeah, I will say, like, I do like PK Subban. I, as a fan, I do like his personality and the fact that he just comes out and says things. I like his brand and everything that comes along with that. Not great comments. And when you look back at his career, you can kind of see where things maybe have gone wrong based on how he seems to view how it went, you know? I don't mind when uh, pro athletes have their own brand and co- clothing line and stuff. But you, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, it can't come before the team, right? It can't even be parallel to the team. Like, it, it's got to be team first. And uh, it, it's unfortunate that that's how things are looked at. And uh, you have to wonder, like, how a lot of the Montreal Canadiens uh, teammates he had or teammates on any other team uh, maybe uh, feel after hearing this. You have to wonder how the organization feels about him now. What I can say, too, is I think that PK is going to have a great career in media. Uh, Just hearing his uh, media broadcasting voice there, I think he's got a good voice for it. I'm looking forward to all the quotes coming out because he's going to disrupt a lot of things. Uh, That's just me from enjoying, you know, the chaos of it. But, uh, yeah, it is unfortunate uh, that this is something he came out and said publicly. And uh, I I really hope that he doesn't truly believe that that's how it went now. Um, yeah, and I, I think you're right that, you know, he he always wanted to be a TV star. He's he's a player who was was obsessed with his own celebrity who played a team sport. It was just a, a wrong fit. Uh, and maybe it's the right fit now that that he's going to um, have a platform, um, a pretty prominent platform. Uh, on the media to to share his his thoughts and 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 as you said stir things up uh that that's going to be much more welcomed uh than it was in in the Canadians locker room yeah so uh moving on from uh, PK Subban for a little bit uh, we'll certainly uh run back to him uh, before we end the show though um we have some uh, hockey news and uh, i guess this week's uh, big transaction is ea sports nhl 23 ran a career sli- simulation for uri slavkovsky and it went pretty well you know three stanley <laughs> cups a con smite uh, 1182 points uh, yeah not bad uh you hope that that's how that goes i'll take it uh, for sure. Um, if, you know, Mark, you think of Mark Bergevin when he talked about uh, this isn't PlayStation um, and tr- and trades aren't as easy as, as PlayStation. But yes, um, uh, you know, NHL 23, they they did this this career simulation um, to see how it would play out for Yuri Slavkovsky. And we're going to save this <laughs> and and put this up on the wall. Yes. Uh, we'll be looking for the Conn Smythe Trophy. Yes, we'll be looking for the uh, the three Stanley Cups and 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 the twelve hundred games played and the four hundred goals and 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 yeah, let's hope it turns out that way. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think the prediction is four hundred and twenty-one goals. Well, he has four of those, so he's on pace now. <laughs> for sure, four seventeen to go. Yeah, so uh, that'll be it for segment one there. Coming up, we're going to hear from DraftKings, and then it's our big topic segment. So stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. 
Hey, hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure you give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. And this is a big topic segment where we're going to bring back, uh, I guess, an older segment that we did on this podcast. It's uh, the first big topic of 2023, so very excited. Let's hit five current hot topics being posed and debated by fans of the Montreal Canadiens. It's time for the All Habs Hot Stove. So let's get down and dirty. The Habs are on a seven-game losing streak. Uh, there's some key injuries going on right now. Let's take a look at some of the most pressing questions. Yeah, and, and um, you know, there's a lot of things that are, are being discussed uh, on, on social media um, that, that Canadians fans are, are, are talking about passionately. Uh, if you look on our Facebook page, uh, you can find it at facebook.com slash allhabs. Um, you know, fans are, are concerned about uh, what's been happening. They want changes made. Some some don't want changes made uh, because they're putting two and two together and seeing uh, the prospects, in particular Connor Bedard and what he's done uh, at the World Juniors, and they would love to see him in a Canadian's jersey. So, um, that amongst other things, um, there's, there's lots of discussion, lots of debate, and, uh, we wanted to, uh, bring that to our listeners to, uh, so you get a, uh, a sense of the pulse out there right now. Yeah. So kicking things off uh, with our five most, uh, pressing questions, let's, uh, hop on the train and head down to the trade speculation nation. Will Joel, Ed, will Joel Edmondson be the first to go? That's the question. Um, lots of speculation uh, about an Edmondson trade coming up. Uh, will he be the first to go? I, I think the only other guy that comes to mind is Sean Monahan, but he's injured right now. So yeah, that's certainly uh, another one in uh, Edmondson's uh, favor. Uh, Edmondson currently healthy. Um, being linked to Edmonton a little bit, uh, there's a potential of getting a first-round draft pick as a return. So that's that's pretty decent. Um, uh, when you look at the Athletics trade bait list, 
Joel Edmondson comes in at number 18. Uh, of course, he's got one year left on his contract, so that uh, might be a little bit of a knock against him. I know a lot of teams prefer to go for uh, some rental-type players leading up to the playoffs. A little bit ahead of him at uh, number 17 is Sean Monahan, but like I said, he's injured right now. I don't think they're going to trade him before he comes back. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on the potential of uh, Joel Edmondson to be the first guy traded from the Montreal Canadiens this season? Well, it, it's a debate for sure. It's a debate. Joel Edmondson um, has had some injury issues. Uh, you know, we know how many games he missed last season, uh, and and um, you know, out the first part of this season. Uh, Joel said that the, those aren't an issue right now, um, and um, he said, uh, "But my injury from last year and the start of the year, I don't even think about it right now. It feels good." So he's trying to assure everyone that, uh, you know, injuries shouldn't be the reason for not uh, trading for him. Um, you know, you mentioned his contract. Um, it, it's a pretty digestible contract uh, at $3.5 million. Um, and some teams want the cost control, uh, particularly next year with the, the cap not going uh, up very much uh, to add uh, a cost control contract rather than adding uh, somebody who's an unrestricted free agent and having to negotiate with them. Um, that might actually be a, 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 a reason to trade for a, a Joel Edmondson. Now, you know, the, the con of that is uh, do you want $3.5 million playing on your third pairing if, you know, mm-hmm. if, um, if you're, you're one of those uh, Stanley Cup contenders? Well, that's uh, that's something that's um, that that teams would have to debate internally about. But it, it, we've we've seen how valuable Joel Edmondson can be in uh, in a playoff run. Um, we know that uh, he's big, strong, mean, um, and plays with that edge, and that's what teams are looking for in a playoff run. And uh, I I think it's it's likely that that Joel Edmondson is is traded um I think that that Joel Edmondson thinks that he's getting traded he was asked and and he said um that he tries to stay away from um all of the uh, the media he said um quote it's hard to avoid it in this market you turn on the TV or you go on social media Honestly, it's something I've never been through before. This is kind of the first time it's happened to me. That is being part of trade rumors. He said, and and this is the quote that I thought was interesting. Um, in response to that, Kent, Kent Hughes, actually does a good job of talking to a couple of us and tells us what's on his mind. So um, if if Kent Hughes is getting inquiries... Um, uh, boy, I'd like to know who a couple of us is, <laughs> you know, that, that Kent Hughes has been talking to and saying, yeah, I'm getting offers for you. Um, so he goes on to say communication is big and I think that it helps us relax a bit and just focus on playing. I'm pushing everything aside, um, on that side, meaning, uh, the trade rumors. And I'm just focusing on this team right now. It's all I can do. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess one of the, the, um, the difficulties is Joel Edmondson isn't having a very good season. Um, now whether, whether you think Joel is not having a good season, whether you, whether you rack that up to the fact that he's playing beside, 
Um, you know, rookie defensemen, um, well, that's that's up to uh, the scouts uh, to decide that. I know what I think. <laughs> I don't. I <laughs> just don't think he's having a great season. But um, don't tell that to Marty St. Louis because on Friday he said, you can't, quote, you can't convince me that Joel Edmondson isn't having a good year. Um, so... And, and he credits uh, Edmondson for being a, a good mentor for uh, the young defenseman. Uh, but he says, uh, he goes on to say, quote, it's easy to look at the stats and say he doesn't have an impact, but you can't make me believe that. Okay. <laughs> we won't make you believe that, Marty. Uh, you got your own opinion. You got your own opinion on a lot of things. So um, I, I think this is, this is a very interesting topic. It's something that's going to uh, go on and, and, uh, uh, I, I'd like to see um, Edmondson traded both for the Montreal Canadiens and for, for uh, Joel Edmondson personally. Yeah, Edmondson, a great leader for the Montreal Canadiens, great mentor for the younger players. Uh, he plays uh, that mean style of defense. I know a lot of teams are going to be looking for that, but I, I do agree. Not a great season for him so far. Maybe it's just not a, a great fit for him anymore on this team. Uh, I do believe he could have some value for a playoff run. Um, so I, I, I do feel like Edmund, uh, I don't know, the more I talk uh, about this, the more I feel like, yeah, this is probably a player that Edmonton has interest in. So uh, you look at uh, what uh, Montreal got for Ben Sherrod at the deadline last year, you look at Edmondson and uh, think, well, it's got to be pretty similar. So uh, he'll uh, definitely be a guy to look out for on the trade lists. Uh, but uh, we'll take a look at our next question here. And uh, this one is uh, more about development. Uh, so is it time for Uri Slavkovsky to be sent to the uh, AHL and play for the Laval Rocket? Rick, because uh, I took the lead on last one, I'll be generous and uh, let you start things off here. Thank you. Uh, well, this was kind of, I, we've been talking about this uh, all year is, is um, and, and I, uh, I don't want to speak for you. I, I think that uh, that he should be sent to the AHL. Um, I, I think the game is is too fast for him. I think that um, that uh, he's just got too many things to to work on at at the moment. Um, you know, uh, keeping his head up for hits and 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 playing without the puck and and uh, we we were the way it was explained uh, in their selection. Uh, we were led to believe that he was far further along and able to play uh, with uh, with men, um, as as it was described, and far more so than uh, than it's proved to be. And and I think that he's got so many things to work on that it's it's difficult for him to work on everything at the pace of the game that he would be able to do that um, much easier uh, at the slower pace of the AHL. And this was kind of uh, brought back to the, the forefront, brought, brought back to discussion by Montreal Canadiens fans, uh, by Darren Drager, who a couple of days ago tweeted, uh, I'll read his tweet, the Canadians are back home after a tough road trip. S- let's see how the next couple of weeks go. Whether it's Slavkovsky or other younger players, I could see time in Laval if Montreal isn't able to right the ship. Better environment with a focus on development. Um, well, I don't know if it's a better environment because <laughs> Laval, yeah, you, you, as you said, they, they've, they've had uh, a little bit better, but I mean, there's, they're still 25th or, or thereabouts in, in, uh, the AHL. So, you know, is, is it a, is it a winning environment? No, it's not. 
Um, and and you always wonder when you see something like this from a dragger or or similar um, national kind of figures whether they've heard something or or whether they're just you know tossing out a, an idea that came to them. Um, is is Laval a better um, environment with a focus on development? We haven't seen that. We, we we've heard from Jeff Wool that you know his priority isn't development for sure. And that's been evidenced by, you know, the decisions that he makes on a game-by-game -game basis with respect to the, the few prospects that they have in Laval. So whether that would be, um, uh, you know, whether, whether the Canadians themselves see enough development happening to send Slavkovsky there, uh, that's a good question. There was an odd report, odd I thought, uh, from Eric Ingalls about a week or so ago who said that he talked to someone... Um, off the record um, in Canadians management who said uh, they're afraid to send Slavkovsky to the AHL because he could potentially be a target, targeted by other players. Um, any more than he's being targeted in, in the NHL? I mean, uh, I didn't quite get that. And they and Eric went on to say that, um, you know, there's no Arbor Jackai in... Um, in Laval to defend um, a Slavkovsky if players uh, try to take a run at him. Um, uh, so uh, well, there's a John Parker Jones who's... who's Alex Belzeal as well, I think. <laughs> um, you know, John Parker Jones, 6'7", 230. Uh, he's had a fight or two this season with uh, uh, 16 penalty minutes in six games. So, uh, But the other part of that, I thought, was, uh, again, we, you know... Slavkovsky was sold as this beast of a player who would be targeting other players and that, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, the fact that they have to protect him, um, uh, you know, a, a, a player of, of considerable size. They, they made so much of his size at the draft, uh, but they'd have to protect him from uh, the, the players who might want to take a run at him in the, in the AHL. I thought that was quite quite. If indeed that is the thinking, I thought all of that was was quite odd. Yeah, that is a little bit of an odd way to look at it. Certainly not a way I would look at it. You mentioned, well, is this going to be more than at the NHL level? Uh, <laughs> Laval certainly has a fair bit of. Uh, well, they have quite a few players that can be deterrents. Uh, you mentioned uh, Parker Jones, uh, who's an absolute monster of a player. I'll throw in an Alex Belzeal who uh, can be a little bit uh, dirty as well. So I, I feel like he'd be protected well. But anyways, uh, I think I agree with everything you just said there, Rick. I'll keep uh, my points here relatively short and sweet. This has been a discussion pretty much since the beginning of the season. Is Uri Slavkovsky better off in Laval? Right now in the NHL, 34 games, 4 goals, 6 assists. That's 10 points total. That's not good enough for me. I think that he's better off uh, in Laval for sure. Um, sometimes you can see flashes of brilliance uh, every now and then. He shows that he can make a, make a great play. Uh, that's been about it. Inconsistency, sitting on the fourth line and not being able to contribute a whole lot. Uh, we were told he was going to be a beast, that he was NHL ready now. I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, put the kid in Laval, take the pressure off, let him develop. Um yeah, I, I'll just leave it at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's. Um, I I think so. I if he wasn't, I, I I would ask the question: 
if he wasn't the Canadians' first round pick, would he have been in Laval a long time ago? And and I think the answer is absolutely. Yeah, that's another great point there. So uh, we took a look at uh, development. Uh, now let's uh, hop on the train and uh, take a look at a gold route. Uh, which Canadians forward has yet to light up the lamp this season? And will he ever score again? <laughs> hmm. Wonder who we're talking about here. Uh, I did mention in segment one, it uh, can't be uh, Yoel Armia anymore. He scored his first goal of the season against New York. Uh, so that leaves uh, Jonathan Drouin as the last remaining forward without a goal. Um, he's been given all the opportunities, time on the first power play unit. He's been slotted in on the top line. He's been slotted in as a second line center, uh, not been scoring seven assists, minus 12, averaging 13 minutes and 54 seconds of ice time. Uh, I know they're trying to showcase him desperately, but zero goals. Come on. Um, I think that if uh, Jonathan Drouin shows nothing and uh, can't be traded by the deadline, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be put on waivers. I think that's uh, another player I think might be better off suited in Laval, to be completely honest. Uh, Not a good year for him. I know he had uh, an injury to start, but, uh, you know, at some point we're going to have to move on from uh, Jonathan Drouin. It wasn't a good trade. He's not been a fit here, uh, whether it's the pressure or like he just wasn't ever going to be the player that uh, he was drafted to be. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, I don't think uh, that this is a fit for Jonathan Drouin. I don't think he's going to be able to score, to be honest. It's um, yeah, it was a great point. Um, you know, speaking of, of players who are primed uh, to be sent to Laval, uh, and again, uh, if he were any other player, would he already be in Laval? I, I, th- I think um, the answer is absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Drouin, um, in the calendar year 2022, scored one goal. One goal for, for a player who is supposed to be all offense and he doesn't contribute at all defensively. For a player who gets tons of ice time, as you said, first power play wave, he has one goal in 2022. And and funny as it is, that goal came on January 1st, 2022. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he went the rest of the, the year without scoring. That goal on January 1st, you, you know how long ago that, that goal was? The primary assist on Jonathan's uh, uh, January 1st, 2022 goal against the Florida Panthers, the primary assist was Sammy Niku. Oh, okay. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a long while. Um, and I just I just look back at that game to kind of give us a sense to scene set how long ago it's, it's been since Jonathan Drouin um, scored a goal. Cam Hillis was in the lineup. Uh, it was the game when, when um, and, and Jonathan Duran had 23 minutes of ice time in that game. It was unbelievable. Uh, but the Canadians uh, started the game with 11 forwards. They were two skaters short, 11 forwards, 5D. Um, just before the game, Jake Evans and, and Alexander Romanoff hit the COVID list. So they were, they were down to, to two skaters and during the game, Cedric Paquette, another name you haven't heard in a while, <laughs> had a neck injury. So they had 10 forwards during the game. Jonathan Duran got a ton of ice time, absolute ton of ice time, had three shots on goal and scored a goal. 
Um, and following that game, the next four Canadians games were uh, postponed. That's how long ago it was. We've forgotten Sammy Niku and Cedric Paquette and Cam Hillis. Uh, that's outrageous uh, that he he still is is um, without you know earning anything still gets the opportunities uh, that he does. Um, as I said, there's there's nothing there as far as uh, uh, playing without the puck, and uh, it's sad. It's really sad uh, when there's that lack of merit uh, because there's a lot of young players in the lineup, and they need to know that they need to play well to to earn their ice time. And that certainly hasn't applied with respect to Jonathan Duran. So like I think the Montreal Canadiens should do, let's uh, move along and talk about a player who's much younger and much better. How about that? Perfect. Uh, the, 20, the NHL 2023 draft is coming up. Is Connor Bedard a generational player? Um, right now, it looks like he's the undisputed uh, number one pick in that draft. Uh, I'm thinking probably, but uh, Rick, uh, as we did last time, I took uh, the lead on that last question. I'll let you kick things off here. Um, this comes up every year, uh, it seems, uh, that um, you know is a player a generational player or not? And the definition is supposed to be once in a generation, right? So you... You shouldn't have a generational player every three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Shane Wright a generational player? No, uh, he wasn't. Is Yuri Slavkovsky? No, definitely not. Um, when was the last generational player um, in the National Hockey League? Uh, I might argue that it was Connor McDavid. Some say, mm-hmm. no, you have to go back to Sidney Crosby. Uh, is, Connor Mc- or is Connor Bedard uh, that player? Um, he was he was the obvious MVP uh, at the World Juniors. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He set a record. Um, he was dominant. He, he, he's he's a very special player. You know he he has um, high end skill. There's lots of players that have high end skill. He can score goals. He has a shot like we haven't seen in in a lot of years. But it was his ability to turn the game. It was ability, his ability to, um, to, to, to compete and, and take, the, take the team on his back. And, and uh, in some games, um, you know, just, just turn it around. And, and, you know, there was no better example of that when he, when he went through um, Slovakia and, and, and won the game um, for Canada. Um, not so much of a, an impact player in, in the gold medal. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, it doesn't matter if he's a generational player. I, I don't know. <laughs> he's going to be, you know, when you talk about a franchise player, when you talk about a foundational player for a franchise, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's why he's going to be so sought after in, uh, the, the next round. And, you know, I, I I pity the the folks and and really, Grant McKay, you should go back and clean up your your Twitter when you said that uh, uh, it's not he's not a lock to be the uh, the first <laughs> overall pick in in the upcoming draft because he's going to be the first overall pick regardless of the team in the 2023 NHL entry draft. Yeah, I think that's pretty like undisputed at this point. Uh, if there was any dispute before the World Juniors, absolutely no dispute now. Uh, I think you're right when you talk about you know 
we use the term generational player way too often. Uh, you talk about this every single year and well, the generational, a generational player should only happen once in a generation. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I think you have to look at uh, his list of accomplishments so far, and uh, it's quite a lengthy list for such a young player. U18 World Champion Gold in uh, 2021. Uh, U20 World Championship Gold in 2022 and 2023. Uh, U18 Top 3 Player in 2021. Uh, WHL East All-Star in 2021. Uh, U20 World Junior All-Star in 2023, best forward, best plus minus, best goals, uh, most goals rather, most assists, most points, and World Junior MVP in 2023. That's quite the list, uh, <laughs> certainly quite the resume for a young Connor Bedard so far. Um, I think a lot of the comparisons are to, uh, with the other Connor and Connor McDavid. Uh, he, he might be just as good, whatever. Um I don't know. I think he has that potential to for sure be a franchise player, to be that franchise changing player that really take a team out of uh, the basement of the standings and potentially turn them into a playoff team. Definitely a number one center in the league. Uh, the only thing that worries me a bit uh, is the size, unfortunately, uh, currently a 5'10", but hey, he's young enough. He can still be a growing guy. Maybe uh, he can uh, put on a few extra inches there. Uh is he going to be a generational? I, I, I feel like I want to say yes, but also I, I do recognize that that's a term that gets used way too often. Uh, so certainly, uh, if anything, this is a prospect to be excited about. If you have a team in, near the bottom of the standings, you want this guy, not the other guy for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, maybe kind of a kind of a yes, but also uh, I'm a little bit hesitant hesitant to do a full blown yes. How about that? <laughs> I'm I'm on board with that. And and listen, this is a, a this is a good draft. Uh, this is a a very good draft coming up. And if the Montreal Canadiens uh, don't get the first all overall pick, uh, Canadians fans shouldn't fret whether it's a. Uh, uh, Adam Fantilli, if, if it's uh, Zach Benson, whoever it is, the Canadians are going to get uh, a good, um, uh, a good player, uh, a very, very, very good player. Yeah, that's very true. So uh, we'll take a look at our uh, last pressing question uh, of this list, and uh, we're going to take a look at the point slide that the Montreal Canadiens have been going through seven losses in a row. How low can the Montreal Canadiens go in the standings is the question. Uh, right now, 27th, I'm predicting, and this is solely me just predicting, I think they'll probably stay uh, 27th, maybe go down to 28th. I'm um, looking at the standings as they are right now. 27 Montreal, 28 San Jose, 29 Arizona, then Anaheim, Columbus, and Chicago, respectively. Uh, Anaheim, Columbus, and Chicago, uh, 28 points for Anaheim so far, 24 for Columbus, 22 for Chicago. I don't think you're beating these guys in the tank, unfortunately. <laughs> they have absolutely mastered it, and they're only going to get worse uh, approaching the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, uh, you look at Anaheim, and they have a nice uh, John Klingberg who they're going to move on from. Uh, Chicago has plenty of guys they'll likely move on from as well. Uh, could include uh, Patrick Kane and a Jonathan Taves, so they're only going to get worse. Uh, Montreal, I think they certainly uh, get into that bottom five, but uh, I don't know that they can uh, beat out some of those teams and get any lower. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. I, I think that Arizona uh, can be better. I think that San Jose can be better. 
Yeah. Um, but the ones you mentioned, Chicago, Columbus, and Anaheim, uh, as you said, with, with with Chicago, they're bad. They're very bad. They're built to be bad. Um, you got uh, Kane and Taves, maybe Max Domi as well, um, uh, set to move along. Uh, they've been two and eight in, in the in the last ten games. Uh, Canadians uh, one and one eight and one. Columbus is bad uh, at uh, one and nine in the last uh, ten games. Um, and and so yeah, those those last three um, are are going to be difficult to move out of there. And I know that a lot of uh, our our listeners and Canadians fans uh, they've already started. I, I've seen the tweets. Um, going to tankathon.com and doing <laughs> d- doing the, the the lottery simulation and and seeing what they get. Um, yeah, it does affect the end results for sure. So keep doing that. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Um, there's another page on Tankathon though that I find um, interesting, and it's uh, RSS remaining schedule strength. Um, and if you look at that, uh, the, the strength of the opponents is, is what it is. Um, and we talked about this a few weeks, a a few podcasts ago that Canadians fans are looking at the month of January and saying, Hey, uh, mostly at home, um, should be an easier schedule. Maybe, maybe time to move up, but the Canadians have 43 games left. So we're, we're about halfway through the season. Um, the Canadian, as we record, forty-three games left uh, of the uh, the schedule of the opponents. The Montreal Canadiens have the toughest schedule in the NHL remaining. They are listed at the top of the list for um, for the strength of the opponents. Um, if you look at Arizona, we talked about uh, Arizona being maybe primed to move. They are twenty seventh in that list, um, so they have a much easier schedule. Um, and uh, Anaheim is 23. Chicago's right in the middle at, at 17. Columbus has a tough schedule as well. Um, so the Canadians can, there there are opportunities to move down, um, I, I guess you'd say, um, with, a, with a tough schedule. Um, but again, um, the, the other teams still have a, what do you call it, a head start, um, and, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Now, um, let's let's acknowledge that you don't have to be in that last, uh, uh, be in the thirty-second uh, place, uh, be a thirty-second place team to get the overall pick. It's a draft lottery. The chances are less, of course, um, if you're not in that last spot. But we've seen uh, in the past, we've seen. Um, uh, teams who uh, were not last uh, get the first overall pick. Um, I think Canadians fans are smart enough that they see um, in that list, um, you know, that that the Canadians are falling um, and are sixth uh, sixth from the bottom right now. But Florida is ninth from the bottom, and and of course uh, the Canadians own that pick as well. So that might up their chances a little bit of getting that first overall pick. Yeah, I'd almost rather see Florida win the draft lottery and take their pick to draft uh, <laughs> Connor Bedard just because that's how I think. But uh, yeah, I think you're right with all of that. Um, 
you have to remember, go back to when uh, Buffalo was tanking hard uh, to get uh, Connor McDavid to the point where fans were cheering every time uh, the other team would score in their building. <laughs> and then uh, look what happened. Uh, Edmonton wins uh, the draft lottery and uh, Buffalo has to pick second. Obviously, they still got a good player, but uh, not Connor McDavid. I uh, hope things don't get to that point uh, with any of these teams in the bottom. Uh, my attitude is always like, if you have a chance to win the game, just go ahead and win the game. I'm not a big fan of uh, losing on purpose. I hope it doesn't get to that point with Montreal uh, for sure. Although I do hope they end up in that bottom five. Yeah. And, and you can't, as has been said before, you certainly can't ask uh, players to, to do anything other than play their best and, and, and play to win. Um, and, uh, and, it, it just let uh, let the nature take its course, and 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 however that works out, because it's uh, it, it's difficult to design to design um, and strategize that way. Um, but again, um, this is uh, this is our hot hot stove segment based on topics that uh, we see you talking about. Um, so be sure that um, we, we want to hear your feelings on, on all of this. Uh, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash allhabs. Uh, be, sh- be sure to reach out to us either by the, the Rocket Sports text line, 5853ROCKET, sending us an email, info at allhabs.net or uh, on social media. Because uh, these are the topics that uh, th- there's going to be more of them as we get closer to those milestones uh, like the trade trade deadline coming up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, this will lead nicely into our Canadians connection question of the week. I'll uh, paraphrase a little bit here, but uh, are you uh, starting to be okay with these losses and have you joined Team Tank? Uh, please reach out and let us know, and uh, we'll certainly talk about this a little bit more in segment three here. But for now, uh, we're going to take our final break here and uh, stay with us. You are listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. 
for the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects. Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 225 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Please give at Habs Connection a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can check out the website CanadiansConnection.com. Also, feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line at 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. We always love hearing from our listeners. Uh, Tons of great things to talk about, and we'll get to our uh, Canadians Connection question of the week uh, relatively soon here. But uh, start things off, Rick. This is a crazy Montreal Canadiens team. It's so hard to keep track, aren't they? It's just there's so many storylines, and uh, um, you know, you know, some fans may be a little bit frustrated, but I think uh, most see the potential, and there's lots of exciting things to talk about and write about and t- and and share with uh, our listeners. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, one of the best ways to stay up to date is to check out the All Habs Hockey Magazine at allhabs.net. Weekly, Chris G. puts out the Habs notepad, and that's a good way to start off your week and keep up to date with everything. Montreal Canadiens, Laval Rocket, uh, even the Trois-Rivières Alliance he'll discuss, uh, so he'll take a deep dive on everything and anything you need to know, even things you didn't know that you needed to know. Chris G. has you covered on the Habs notepad. Also, we did have a feature come out this week, and it's uh, quite timely. It ties in well with the World Juniors. Uh, Rocket Sports contributor Mike Raschel put out uh, an article entitled What to Expect from Owen Beck. Uh, he, uh, Owen Beck, of course, uh, got to play a few games for Team Canada. Uh, he was a last-minute addition due to an injury, so uh, Mike Raschel takes a deep dive on Owen Beck and lets you know everything that you need to know about him. Uh, also, you're going to want to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, at All Habs uh, Weekly, the Habs Hockey Report comes out. That's every Thursday, hosted by Amy Johnson. And this latest episode entitled Renewed Race for Connor Bedard. Obviously, Connor Bedard being a big topic of discussion, uh, given how the Habs have been playing lately and uh, Connor Bedard's big showing at the World Junior. Uh, so take a deep dive on that. Uh, please subscribe to never miss an episode. Amy Johnson is a wonderful host. Uh, she loves interacting to with uh, all of her viewers as well. So please like and leave a comment i can guarantee if you leave a comment she will have something to to reply to and even then uh, she might even read your comment on air so that's always pretty cool so head over to youtube and check out the youtube channel at all habs to never miss a single episode of the habs hockey report there's lots of good comments on the most uh, recent one uh, the most recent video Uh, they're always fun to read also, make sure you subscribe to the Rocket Sports Radio podcast on your favorite podcast app. As you're listening to today, the Canadians Connection, you can find that at canadiansconnection.fm or on your favorite podcast app. Hit subscribe. Never miss a single episode. We come out every Saturday. Uh, we give you all the news and updates. We have a big topic discussion. And we're here all throughout the year, even through the summer when a lot of other uh, podcasts and radio stations stop talking hockey. We will continue to talk hockey because there's always something to talk about. 
You're also going to want to subscribe to The Press Zone. You can find that at thepresszone.fm or again on your favorite podcasting app. Make sure you hit subscribe. That comes out Tuesday evenings. That's your best way to stay up to date with Habs uh, prospects, uh, anything Laval Rocket or AHL in general. Amy Johnson, Patrick Williams, and uh, Rick Stevens make up that team. And uh, honestly, great listen. Uh, on a, These uh, prospects are uh, so fun to keep up to date with. And uh, Rick, what can you tell us about The Press Zone? Well, uh, we talk about prospects a little bit, um, and we do, and we do that every week, and we, we devote um, a segment, uh, a portion of a segment uh, to that. But uh, the uh, folks on the, on the press zone talk about prospects all the time. Uh, a lot of focus on, on Canadians' prospects in the AHL, um, but also um, all prospects, whether they be in the NCAA or the CHL uh, or Europe. So it's, uh, if you're interested and, and Canadians fans are looking to the future. Um, you know, they're, they're looking uh, for who's coming through the pipeline. Um, we're very fortunate uh, to have some, some experienced journalists uh, with us, both Amy Johnson um, and Patrick Williams, uh, to be able to talk about that. And it's a fascinating, uh, a fascinating show and should be uh, part of your regular listening every single week. Yeah, so make sure you subscribe to that. I always enjoy the listen. And uh, now I think it's a good time to get to our Canadians Connection question of the week. We want to hear from all our listeners. So please reach out and uh, let us know your thoughts on this. The question here is, are you becoming content with Habs losses? And are you all aboard the tank train? Uh, So like I said, reach out, let us know. We want to hear from all our fabulous listeners. And uh, Rick, where can people go to answer this question? I think you uh, you can send us your thoughts uh, again um, five eight five three rocket text us um, or send us an, an email. But most of our listeners uh, they seem to head to facebook.com slash allhabs. Uh, more than fifty thousand Habs fans are there. Have liked the page. Are interacting on that page. Yes, there are some Leafs fans who show up. Yes, there are some Bruins fans, but they're quickly put in their place. Um, <laughs> and uh, a very, very lively group. A very, very lively uh, discussion um, that that includes uh, Habs fans and 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 all of their thoughts. And we're always happy to hear from you. Yeah, so make sure you uh, answer that question. It's an interesting one. It wasn't too long ago we were talking about uh, the Habs maybe making a playoff push. <laughs> so have you turned and uh, made uh, your decision to go all in on Team Tank? So uh, coming up uh, this week, uh, Montreal Canadiens have quite a few games. But uh, you know what? It's the most important day of the year here on January the 7th. And uh, happy birthday to Amy Johnson, a wonderful contributor to uh, Rocket Sports Media, hosts the Habs Connection and the Press Zone. So wishing a happy birthday to Amy Johnson. Very, very warm wishes uh, for a very happy birthday to uh, a colleague that, uh, that does a whole lot for us here at Rocket Sports. So in terms of Montreal Canadiens games uh, today on uh, January the 7th, uh, St. Louis takes a trip into Montreal and it's Jordan versus Jake tonight. So that should be a fun matchup there. Always fun to see the St. Louis Blues. Uh, then a couple days later, uh, on January the 9th, it's uh, cracking in the house. The Seattle Kraken take a trip into Montreal. Seattle's a team that uh, seems to be overachieving quite a bit. Uh, let's see what Montreal can do there. And of course, on the 12th, Nashville takes a trip into Montreal, and uh, I believe that's P.K. Subban night. So everyone's excited about that one, right, Rick? Well, for sure, and and I think that uh, Habs fans will will give him a a, a wonderful tribute. 
Uh, they appreciated what he did uh, here. I, I think there that uh, hopefully that there'll be lots of immediate media availability. He'll probably be asked about his comments, um, but I hope that he's uh, he's gracious and and uh, and I hope that uh, he talks about how much he loved uh, being a part of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, looking forward to that. But uh, I think for now, that's going to be a wrap for us today. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in your uh, favorite podcast uh, app or on the player. Also, you can share on social media if you liked what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, January the 14th for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.